Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, the committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol voted last night to refer Mark Meadows for criminal contempt of Congress charges. We learn more about the former White House Chief of Staff's about face in cooperating with the January 6th committee and the substantial role he played during the riot. First, though, we'll hear from President Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, about new data coming from the UK on the transmissibility of the Omicron variant and the potential for booster shots to blunt the virus's effects. That's all next on Forum. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Nina Kim. California is bringing back its indoor mask mandate to try and contain the Omicron variant as people prepare to gather for the holidays. A short time ago, I spoke with White House Chief Medical Advisor Anthony Fauci about the new British government study that's been described as the first real-world study of how vaccines are holding up against Omicron. It found that two shots of Pfizer were 35 percent effective in preventing symptomatic infection, but that effectiveness went way up over 70 percent with a booster. I asked Dr. Fauci if that's why he did not think we needed an Omicron-specific vaccine. Uh, yes, that is the case. Uh, it's not only the U.K. studies, but studies that are coming in with preliminary and sometimes final data from a number of places, including our own right here at the National Institutes of Health. And just what you said is correct, that when you're talking about infection, a two-dose mRNA vaccine has a rather diminished efficacy in preventing infection, which when you're talking about severe disease, it goes up to about 70% against hospitalization. But when you get boosted, uh, it goes up even further, uh, closer to 90%. So right now, our current vaccines, which are directed against the original ancestral virus, appears to do quite well against any of the variants that we've faced, the alpha, the beta, and then the formidable delta variant that's the current dominant variant in the United States. So at this point, unless things change, which I don't really don't think they will, that if we get our population boosted, even with Omicron in the horizon, which will likely be taking over in dominance if it acts in the United States anything like it's acting in South Africa and in the UK, that we should have a predominance of Omicron here. And if we get boosted, I believe we would be able to get through this okay. I mean, always, you know, in real time, observing the data and making decisions as as we get more information, but it looks like we'll be able to handle it. But we've got to get people boosted. I mean, we have you know, 60 million people in this country who are unvaccinated, who are eligible to be vaccinated. 
And we've, even though we've been given boosted to about 40 million people, there are still close to 100 million people who shouldn't be getting boosted that we need to get boosted in the next few weeks to a month as we get further into the winter. Yes. So how do we solve that quickly? Well, I think we've got to get the information out to the American public, and that's the reason why we're out there all the time in real time talking about this. I'm going to be talking about it tomorrow at the White House press briefing. Uh, we, we have to keep bringing home the message to the American people. Unfortunately, as we all know, sadly, we have a lot of resistance to vaccination in this country. I have 60 million people who are eligible for vaccination or aren't being vaccinated. We've got to get them to understand why it's important for their own health, for their family, and for their communal responsibility to keep this outbreak under control. We have to just keep trying. Dr. Fauci, how much of a game changer is the news from Pfizer this morning that its COVID pill will protect against severe disease, even from Omicron, that it reduces the risk of hospitalization and death by 89% if given within three days of onset of symptoms? Well, that's very good news. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's an orally administered tablet, which is really important because you want to have something that's easily distributed and administered to people. And the data are very strong. I went over the data personally with the chief medical uh, officer of the the chief scientist uh, of uh, Pfizer just early this morning before they made the announcement. And the data look very strong. Just as you say, it's close to 90% effective. And in the study, there were no deaths in the treatment group and several deaths in the placebo group. So this is really good news. We've got to get it now to get an emergency use authorization from the FDA and then get enough of it produced so that, it could be, so that it could be widely available for people not only in the United States who need it, but there will be a global demand for this product. Is it time to double down on treatments given the fact that vaccines have not been as effective as we hoped because of the slow uptake you alluded to earlier? Well, the vaccines are effective, (laughs) to to be sure, in people who get them. But you're right. As a community, as a national community, uh, we never want treatment to be a substitute for vaccination. I think we need to make that clear so that people don't get the impression that, well, now that we have treatments that appear to be quite favorable in preventing severe disease, that you can forget about vaccination, which is really a big mistake. But having said that, it is very, very important that we have not only this product, which looks very favorable for the reasons you just mentioned, but we need to continue to make both screening products as well as de novo developing and discovering new products. And we have a rather substantial program here at NIH doing just that because of the importance of developing therapeutics as well as vaccines. The study out of the UK, the study out of South Africa, also highlight the incredible transmissibility of Omicron. California's seven-day average case rate has increased by 47% and hospitalizations by 14%. And state officials are saying that our current Hospital census has us at or over capacity in many regions of the state. How concerned should we be 
about our healthcare delivery system being impacted by Omicron? Well, I mean, before we even think about Omicron, we are in a difficult situation, as you just mentioned, including the state of California with Delta. We have 99.5% of all of the isolates that we are currently facing, that California is currently facing, is Delta. That's not Omicron. So we need to do all the things that you're trying to do in California. I mean, I think the mask mandate was a very good idea. I think you have to keep pushing to get people not only to be vaccinated or not vaccinated, but get people boosted. Boosting is extraordinarily important. Vaccination may not prevent all infections, but it really goes a long way to get people to not have to go to the hospital. And since California is facing a difficult situation with a potential overriding of the medical system, you really want to keep people out of the hospital. And the best way to do that is to get people vaccinated and boost the bill. Omicron will likely, in the next month or so, push Delta off the table, as it were, because it did that in South Africa and it's doing that in the UK. Uh, It has a doubling time of about three days or so, which means that even if you start off with a very, very small percentage of Omicron, after a period of time, when you do the math on that doubling time, pretty soon you'll have it as the dominant variant. Do you think other states should follow California's mask mandate for all indoor public spaces? Should we have a universal mask rule again for the country? Well, I think each individual state should be making their own decisions. I think your health authorities uh, made a very prudent uh, decision that I agree with. Depending upon the situation in other states, individual states should evaluate their situation and make decisions based on the data in their own state. But as far as California goes, I think they made the the correct decision. Dr. Fauci, even with Omicron's ability to evade antibodies, the waning effectiveness of some therapeutics that you have mentioned in the past, and the reality that small surges can mean big problems for hospitals, do you still see us in a substantially different place than we were, say, last winter? And why? Oh, well, I mean, if we don't, if we didn't have vaccines, even though we haven't completely solved the problem, uh, we would be in an in a unthinkable disaster right now if we didn't have vaccines. So we are in a much, much better place because of the tools that we have right now. Last winter, we were just beginning uh, in the transition when President Biden took over to get the distribution and the further acceleration of production of vaccines going. So we're in a very, very different, more favorable place right now, even though we're having surges and a lot of infections. I mean, one cannot imagine where we would be if we did not have vaccines. Just looking for a little hope as we all gather for the holidays. It sounds like you see a sign or two at least. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, I think an example that people ask me personally, last year at this time over Christmas, my my children, my young, young adult children uh, were in different parts of the country, and they still are. One actually in, in San Francisco and others in different parts of the country, and they were not vaccinated because vaccines were not available. So that was the first Christmas since their birth that I didn't spend with my own children. 
And that's different this year. We're both, we're, all of us, my wife and I and my children are vaccinated. We're boosted, and they're coming in for the holidays, and we're going to be spending Christmas together this year when we did not do that last year. So that's the big difference between last winter and this winter. Dr. Fauci, thank you for the information and your time. My pleasure. It's good to be with you. Thank you for having me. That was White House Medical Advisor Anthony Fauci. And joining me now is Atlantic staff writer Sarah Zhang, who was listening in on my conversation with Dr. Fauci. And Sarah, just before the break, I wonder if there were some things that Dr. Fauci said that immediately jumped out at you. What struck you? Yeah, sure. First, thank you for having me. Uh, You know, I agree with Dr. Fauci that getting a booster is a really good idea right now. I would say personally, just in my own behavior, um, I was maybe dilly-dallying a little bit as like a young, healthy person that wanted to get a booster. And seeing the Omicron use definitely got me off of my butt to go get one. Um, You know, I, I, I really took thought about your last question of how are we compared to this year and last year. And I think on, on one hand, it seems really difficult, right? Because last year we kind of had the hope of vaccines on the horizon. And this time it feels like, oh, wow, more of the same. But we really are in a much better position. You know, our vaccines, even though they've taken a hit with Omicron, they are much better than we expected before we got vaccines. Uh, we, we have the tools to contain this um, before it gets really, really, really bad again. Well, thanks for that, Sarah. And let me also invite listeners to share their reactions or questions about what Dr. Fauci just said and also the latest news regarding the Omicron variant and boosters and the administration's plans for additional measures that can be taken to increase vaccinations. 866-733-6786 is the number. As always, the email address forum at kqed.org. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We just spoke this morning with Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at NIH and also chief White House medical advisor. We're getting a reaction from Sarah Zhang, staff writer at The Atlantic, whose most recent COVID article is Omicron's explosive growth is a warning sign. And we're also getting reactions from you, our listeners. What do you have? What questions do you have about the Omicron variant? What do you want to know about precautions you should take? Are you concerned about a winter surge in California or changing your behaviors at all? The number, as always, is 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. 
And Sarah, the piece that I just referred to that you wrote about Omicron's explosive growth, one of the things you wrote was that the first glimmers of real world data will come from the UK, which did multiple studies closely tracking Omicron's spread. And now we have that. It was published Friday. I asked Dr. Fauci for some of his reactions to it, but also curious about yours, as I'm sure you looked at that data as well. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the data was, you know, it's kind of the first uh, solid numbers we've gotten, but it's kind of in line with a lot of the big picture trends we, we had been seeing, you know. Um, the first one, very obvious, is that uh, Omicron is spreading really, really fast. I wrote in my piece that Omicron is spreading as fast in highly immune populations like the UK as it was spreading back in March 2020 when nobody had any immunity to this virus. Um, that is just really, really, really fast. I just want to emphasize again. Um, of course, it's not going to be exactly the same because now we have a lot of people who have been vaccinated. And we do think that vaccine effectiveness against severe illness is probably going to hold up a little bit better than vaccine effectiveness against just getting you know, mild symptoms. Um, we don't know yet the exact answer on severe illness, but the UK data that you, that you referred to did give us a pretty clear signal that two doses of vaccines are not super effective against preventing uh, all illnesses. I think with Pfizer, it was something around 30% efficacy. Uh, with AstraZeneca, which of course is not used in the US, but is in the UK, it was um, so low that they yes. said it looked like there's approximately no protection at all. Right. Uh, the good, yeah, yeah. The good news is that three doses does seem to look better. Um, three doses kind of takes you back to three doses against Omicron. So it takes you back to roughly around where we were at two doses against Delta. So that's a great case for getting boosted. There's also been data, not just out of the UK, but also out of other countries like South Africa, where if you take the um, the blood of people who've been infected with COVID and have uh, been vaccinated against COVID. Um, you can also see that if you have two doses, um, you do see a pretty big drop off in how much your antibodies are neutralizing the virus. Um, with two doses plus getting infected, you see it the same drop off, but you're starting at a much, much level higher baseline. So you can afford to kind of have this bigger drop off. So that's kind of the case for getting a third booster dose. Yeah. You know, you were mentioning earlier just how fast Omicron moves. And of course, California was the first state with the first reported case. And of course, dozens are reporting their cases. Um, but when do you think Omicron will become the dominant variant? We are being walloped, of course, right now by Delta, but in a matter of days, weeks? Oh, that's such a good question. I think we're seeing that the latest data from the CDC that um, Omicron is up to maybe 13% in New Jersey and New York and 3% again around the US. Um, I think the kind of rough approximation we're seeing in the UK is that cases are doubling about every two or three days. So if we extrapolate from 13% that uh, when that might get to 50, maybe next week or later mm. this week even. Um, uh, so this is coming upon us pretty quick. I will say that, you know, the U.S. is a really, really big country, right? I mentioned the, that New Jersey and New York are maybe a little bit ahead of the national average. And I think that that should, that's something that's going to keep happening. You know, it's not going to hit everywhere in every town, every city, every state at exactly the same time. The virus is going to take a little bit of time to move across the country. And that's exactly what we saw in March 2020 as well. Um, sort of places like New York with lots of connections around the world, they were hit really early with a, a big COVID wave. And we might see that happen in Omicron as well. Hmm. Well, let me go to some callers and let me turn to Nadine in San Anselmo. Hi, Nadine. Thanks for joining us. 
Hi. Um, can you hear me okay? I can. Go right ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Dr. Fauci, in, in talking about the therapeutics and the vaccines, I didn't hear any mention of long COVID. And I know a friend uh, who, who, had, who has a friend who had it like a 10-year-old or 8-year-old who's just been down with the long COVID for, I don't know what, 10 months, 6 months, something like that, and can't go to school. Mm. And so I think that's often left out of the conversation. And uh, would prevention with a vaccine, uh, instead of people who might, might just say, well, I'll skip the vaccine and I'll just go for therapeutics, would that be more protective against long COVID than the therapeutics is one question. And the other thing is, with the therapeutics, every time you have a cold, you know, are you going to take it for the rest of your life? You know, they say you have to take it within three days. So I just wanted to know if there was any testing on taking it, you know, often, 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 instead of just, you know, a once a year type of a thing. It was mm. a therapeutics because people get colds frequently. So those are my two issues. Nadine, thanks. Sarah Zhang, are you able to answer some of these things that Nadine is wondering about? Sure, I'll, I'll try to. Um, I think on the long COVID question, Nadine, I absolutely hear your frustration on this not being addressed. I think part of the reason, unfortunately, is that we really don't have the answers. Um, we don't have great data to suggest how much vaccines are going to prevent long COVID, and we really don't know anything about how much therapeutics are going to impact long COVID. Um, I think going ahead, I think we might assume that just the more you know, case COVID cases we have, the more long COVID we're going to see, right? So that is another reason that even if Omicron, um, you know, it, it, if it's going to cause a huge number of cases, that might be another reason we might think about, hey, that that's not good. We, we shouldn't be having a huge number of Omicron cases. Um, on your second question about the cold, um, that, that's a really fascinating question because I think it's probably not going to matter as, as your question has kind of intuited for this kind of pandemic because right now we're in the pandemic. It seems right now for Pfizer's uh, pill, at least, it's kind of indicated uh, primarily to people who are high risk for getting severe COVID or dying. So these might be people who are immunocompromised or people who are elderly. So you, ha you have to have some risk factors already. Um, part of that is just that we have a really limited supply currently, so we cannot give it to everyone who comes in with some sniffles from COVID. Um, the other reason that we might not want to give it to everyone is that the more you give out this drug, the more likely you might end up with resistance to it. So this is maybe a reason to kind of, at least for now, to keep it to people who are likely to have severe outcomes. Um, I think it is a really good question whether you might someday get a COVID pill the way you might get Tamiflu if you get the flu. Um, this, of course, sort of requires you to kind of go to your doctor as soon as you get a sniffle and, and to get a test, which, you know, at least for me, certainly before COVID, I would not have gone to the doctor at the first sign of a sore throat. So I think that actually requires um, kind of a real overhaul in how we think about colds and how we think about sickness. I, I don't know if we're going to go there yet, but, you know, this this pandemic has changed so many things about our everyday lives and our relationship with healthcare that possibly this might be an enduring change. Yes. Well, Nadine, thanks for the questions. And, and we do have listeners looking ahead. Vidya, for example, writes, I wonder as long as there are people unvaccinated, either by choice or unable to get vaccinated, does that mean that people like us need to get boosted regularly to protect from new variants that keep emerging? The thought itself scares me. 
Yeah, uh, well, so one thing about having these variants like Delta and Omicron that are spreading so fast is that eventually everyone's going to get exposed to this virus. Everyone's going to get this virus um, if they are unvaccinated and possibly even because they're vaccinated, right? We might get a hopefully mild breakthrough infection. So I think um, in the long run, eventually everyone's going to have some immunity to COVID. I think in the short term, and this is really uncertain, is just that we don't really know how long that's going to take. Um, you know, in the U.S., I I can imagine that happening possibly, you know, in a, in the next year or so, depending on what the next, um, what, what um, you know, the pattern, the spread of the virus looks like. I will caveat that with there's a huge amount of unknowns. I think if you were asking scientists a month ago, no one would have really predicted Omicron uh, coming up and looking like exactly what it looks like right now. So take that uncertainty. I think if we're talking about vaccinating the entire world, that is, yeah, I don't know how long that will take. Um, it's possible that we'll actually quite likely that we'll never be able to vaccinate everyone around the world. But through co some combination of vaccination and the spread of the virus, there will we will get to a point where everyone has some immunity. We're talking with Sarah Zhang, staff writer at The Atlantic, and you, our listeners, are joining us with your questions about the Omicron variant, your reactions to our earlier conversation with Dr. Anthony Fauci, and what you're doing differently this winter. 866-733-6786 is the number. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQBD Forum. You can email us, forum at kqbd.org. Linda writes, my husband and I both got fully vaccinated back in April 2021. We just got our boosters this past Friday. We plan on flying to New York City in early January. We feel protected. This will be the first time we've seen our three grandchildren in Brooklyn since October of 2019. I don't plan on visiting my 82-year-old mother in Montana because she refuses to get vaccinated and lives in a community with a very low vaccination rate. Uh, let me go to caller Gibran in San Francisco. Hi, Gibran. Hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Go right ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm a, it's about whether to get the booster or not. Um, I'm a 45-year-old, not-at-risk person. Um, I got a single Johnson & Johnson dose in April and then followed that up with a single Pfizer dose in August. Hmm. And so I'm trying to calculate, am I due for a booster now or should I wait for the six months to elapse from that second Pfizer shot uh, in August when it's a combination of those two different vaccines? Yeah. Jibran, well, Serjing, what do you think? Well, I'll, I'll try to answer that, but I, I will answer it saying is that this is a case where um, kind of we're all kind of in uncharted territory, right? So I can't tell you exactly when it's going to happen if you do right. one thing or another. Um, I think the CDC guidelines currently say if you've gotten the Johnson Johnson, getting one more dose of an mRNA vaccine is counts you as boosted. So I would not be too worried about having to go get a second dose. Um, it, the other thing is, you know, as we find out more about Omicron, um, we might know a little bit more about what it looks like to have one dose of Johnson Johnson, one dose of Pfizer with Omicron. So keep your eye out on more data coming out. But uh, at this point, I am not particularly worried about you needing to get another booster. Jibran, thanks for the question. This listener tweets, why aren't they saying that COVID is airborne and that Omicron can stay in the air for hours after someone has left a room? And that's why it's vital to wear masks indoors with N95s. Sarah Zhang, what do we know about this in terms of its ability to hang in the air? Yeah, we don't know if anything's too specific to Omicron, but we do know how COVID has been spreading for the past two years now, and it is most definitely airborne. Um, I don't know if we have great data on whether it actually hangs out for hours, but certainly if you're in another room with another person, uh, you, 
and they're not wearing a mask, so definitely going to be generating aerosols and little droplets that contain um, that contain the virus and that can linger, uh, and and I'm sure lingering for minutes for sure. Um, you know, Omicron, it's it seems to interact with our immune system slightly differently, and that's why it's able to. Um, be better at infecting people who've either been previously infected or gotten two doses of the vaccine, but it's not completely changing the physics of the virus. So yes, it is still airborne, the same kind of masking, uh, staying outdoors, good ventilation, those things. So it's the same things that worked with the previous variants, they should still work with Omicron. Well, this listener wants to know, currently kids are getting two-dose Pfizer vaccines. Is that effective against Omicron? If not, will they need a booster? Yeah, I think that is another question where um, we should feel pretty good about kids getting two doses of Pfizer. Um, in part, that's just because kids uh, in general do not get seriously ill from COVID. So they're kind of starting at like a much better point than say I am as an adult or someone who's even older than me as an adult. Um, whether they'll need another booster, I think this is a, a wait and see situation. Part of the reason we're talking about a booster is that people who were, um, you know, got their vaccine six months ago, you're sort of at your maximum antibody levels right after you get your second dose and that kind of falls. And that's one reason to get a booster. With kids, they are kind of just getting their first and second doses. So, so, so they're going to still have pretty high antibody levels through this winter. I was struck, though, that still only a small percentage of children nationwide over five have received the vaccine. Sarah, so should parents feel less urgency because, as you say, they have not gotten as severe disease as adults? Yeah, it really varies widely across the country over how many children have gotten vaccinated, right? Um, uh, I think this is a tough question because certainly the, the risk benefit for kids to get vaccinated, it's definitely there that they should get vaccinated for COVID. It is true that they're fairly unlikely to get sick. Um, I think the other consideration is that um, we're trying to keep schools open, right? Um, if we want to keep schools open, one really good way to do that is to get kids vaccinated. If they're vaccinated, they're probably less likely to need to, um, as go, especially going into the future, less likely to need to quarantine or isolate if they're exposed to COVID or if they get a mild case of COVID themselves. So there's sort of these effects of um, you know, second order effects of getting kids vaccinated. Not only is it that it will certainly protect them from COVID, um, but also it will help them keep them in school, which I think has been a really, you know, tough issue over the last few years. You know, speaking of vaccinations, Dr. Fauci didn't say this on today's program, but he did say, I believe on Sunday on ABC in response to concerns about the global inequity of vaccines, which gives rise to these variants, that the U.S. can simultaneously make doses available to us, booster doses here, make doses available to the rest of the world, and still be, quote, in firmly in the corner of equity. And I'm wondering if you agree with that. You know, I'm not an expert in vaccine supply, but it certainly seems like a dose that is here is going to be a good dose that is not overseas. Um, I think we are unfortunately still living in a world where worldwide vaccine supply is very constrained, but in the US, we are obviously not supply constrained, right? There are plenty of places where you can be getting your first, second, or now third shot. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say exactly where Omicron came from, but certainly it's true that with vaccine equity, it's possible that as there's more spread in the rest of the world, we might be getting new variants that again come back and affect us. Um, I, I think there are real questions to be said about 
you know, how much we should be uh, investing in vaccine supply, vaccine manufacturing capacity, um, and we should absolutely be doing more of it. Whatever we're doing, we should be doing more of it because this mm -hmm. is an urgent global issue. Let me see if I can squeeze Leo in Livermore in. Hi, Leo. Hi. Um, I'm just, you know, I've been listening to the radio here about all these uh, various things that affect me as an American citizen. I'm uh, 76 years old. Um, I want to live my life. I want our government to take care of this problem. I mean, why is, why don't they, you know, if there was an attack by some foreign country or whatever it might be, everybody would be up in arms to go deal with this thing. Why doesn't the government just step in and say, look, this thing is affecting people. And I know there's more of me around than there are these crazies who are against their anti-vaxxers, whatever they're called. What about me? What about my life? I've got a few years left. I'm spending it in my house. I, I, I can't talk to anybody. I can't go to parties. I mean, what is this? Why yeah. can't our government step in and do something? I hear your frustration, Leo. Do you think, Sarah Zhang, that the administration's plans for additional measures, the way they're talking about this, uh, are they doing enough? Are they taking this seriously enough? Are we really yeah. headed or should we brace for a really hard winter? Yeah, I think what's difficult is that we don't know. It's that the, it's just there's, there's a possibility of a really hard winter and um, we're acting in t with uncertainty, unfortunately. And I, you know, I think the, the big problem with Omicron if we've been talking about is that it spreads really, really fast, but the big unknown then is how severe are all of these cases going to be. Um, by the time we have a good sense of how severe these cases are going to be, by the time we see hospitals possibly overwhelmed, by that point, that's too late to act. So that means we need to act sooner when we're still a little bit uncertain about exactly what's going to happen. But of course, that also comes with costs, right? Like if we were to, I'm, I don't think we should be shutting down schools at this point, but if we're shutting down schools, for example, that also comes at a cost. So I think this is a really hard decision to make in the face of a lot of uncertainty. And yep. um, I, I understand that we want the government to do something, but the government also can't magically wave a wand to make the virus go away. And unfortunately, Atlantic the virus is staff uh, the problem writer, right now. Atlantic staff writer Sarah Zhang, thank you. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. 
New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.